Mark here from Mark 2.0. Our guest today is Ron Lee, and I'm going to throw it over to Brian to start this thing out. Thanks so much, Ron. A pleasure, Ron. and congratulations to you both. Thanks. Well, that's nice. Thank you very much. And uh, may I say I'm very impressed by the reel I saw of you. You have a highly diverse uh, acting uh, ability. And, uh, geez, I hardly recognized you a couple of times. You do such a great job. So uh, thanks for coming on. I think you have a lot to add to what we're trying to do here. Uh, thank you, Mate. That's extremely kind. I think I'm just going to bring you both with me everywhere I go from now on. That there would be a pleasure. Go. You just take your phone and we'll be right there with you, okay? Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, 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 let's find out about Ron, aside from the acting. Can I ask where you grew up? I grew up in Montreal. I was born in Montreal. And... Um, as much as I, I'm uh, enamored of Toronto, uh, Montreal will always be in my heart. There's something about it that I guess there was a beautiful description that Tennessee Williams had about um, the cities in the United States. Now, you may not agree, but I thought it was quite lovely. We were down in New Orleans and there was a quote from Tennessee Williams that said, there are three great cities in the United States of America. New Orleans, New York, and San Francisco. All the rest are Cleveland. <laughs> now, and it's no insult to Cleveland because they got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, um, so Montreal is near and dear to my heart. I grew up there. Um, I've got two brothers, one older, one younger. The younger brother has been living down uh, outside of Houston for the last seven years or so. Uh, my older brother lives uh, just outside of Montreal. My younger sister lives just outside of Montreal. My parents, God rest their souls, are no longer with us, but um, we have a really beautiful family. And I was, I'm very grateful to my mom and dad because they put me in French school when I was very young. So that means that I work uh, in French as well. I always admired that. Um, where you live somewhere where two languages are just so used that you had to, you had to deal with two things, you know, and <clears throat> I'm well over 50. So when I was growing up, you know, people from Canada seemed very like, I don't know, I, I just imagine, you know, very tall trees, you know, very wintry situations like that and a very strong people, you know, and very tight communities like that, you know, what kind of view did you have in the United States when you were growing up? Uh, you know, it's, it was, um, and it still is, I think for many people in this country, uh, there's something about the U.S. that's special. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, uh, I really do believe always trying for a more perfect union. I know that, you know, your beloved country is <clears throat> in trouble these days. And, and I really pray, I really, really Pray that uh, you will all come out of this. Um, but no, growing up, and certainly, again, you know, a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, I was very lucky in that my both my parents were great lovers of music. So um, when I was young, I grew up listening to Sinatra and Tony Bennett and Nat King Cole. And, you know, my dad really... Um, really educated me about the, the extraordinary music. In fact, my father used to go and knock on Oscar Peterson's door asking if Oscar could come out and play baseball. 
because Oscar grew, was born in Montreal, grew up in Montreal. And um, so I found out all about Oscar Peterson. And my father had great, great records. And my mom loved to dance. So we listened to Glenn Miller and Tommy Dorsey and stuff. And of course, you know, then rock and roll came. And uh, I haven't stopped listening to, the, you know, the, the music my family, my mom and dad used to listen to. But um, uh, music was a big changer for me. When the Beatles came in and the Stones, um, the very first concert I went to, I was very fortunate in that uh, my cousin worked for Capitol Records. Ooh. And uh, he actually picked the Beatles up in Montreal and remained friends with them uh, pretty much all his life. I mean, he's still, he's still here. And my first concert that he took me to, I was 10 years old, and he took me to see The Who. Whoa. Mm. Yeah, so to me, The Who was the really the very first punk band in my eyes. Um, to be a 10-year-old watching four musicians rip their instruments and tear them apart at You're the right. end of the show was really quite spectacular. I think, I think obviously, their manager said, boys, it's costing us a little too much money. Uh, so you're going to have to change that at some point. And then the second show my cousin took me to see, which is still one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my entire life, was James Brown. <laughs> yes. And really, that's basically was, that's what got me into the arts. It was really more music than anything. I mean, um, the acting thing came more of a, became more of an accident when I was in school and I was reading, uh, working on a play with someone, which I thought we were just going to do a reading. And then <clears throat> lo and behold, we, we did it in front of an audience. And then there was this incredible response. And I went, you know what? I sort of like this. This is really nice, you know, uh, because it reminded me of just being the concert goer and seeing, you know, in, in just incredible shows all my life. And, um, and of course my man, is to me the soul of America, and that's Mr. Springsteen. Mm -hmm. um, he's my guy, um, and that's when I, you know, when I go to work or whatever, I think of him and what he puts out. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, who had a few years on me, had seen the Beatles, had seen Janis Joplin, and we went when we went to see Bruce Springsteen. She said, "You know what? There ain't nobody better." And he was, I loved his, his take on America at the time. And thank you for what you said about America, by the way. And um, I think it's really cool that you had fun parents. Yeah. And I think that was really a good facilitator for you to go out and kind of freely explore the art world and uh, decide what you want to do. So when you went to school, where did your school kind of end? Well, the school, I mean, I went, you know, I did the elementary thing and then mm -hmm. I went to high school. Yeah. And, um, and it was after that, there was a school, there was a school that had started in Washington State back in, because I think I got a, I got a few years on you both still. So um, it was started by a gentleman out in Washington State and it was called the New School. And they brought this sort of experimental school to Montreal. And it ended up being called the New School of Dawson. Mm. And I went there in 1973. Um, I think right after Asbury Park was released. And um, 
that's where it sort of started. I My drama teacher, a wonderful lady from England, um, she was the one. She was the inspiration, and that's where it sort of started for me. And then after that, after we did two years, what they call CGEP in, in Quebec, uh, it's the only, it's called, I guess, maybe grade 11 and 12 in the rest of this country. I don't know what it would be called in the United States. Um, and so that's where the theater thing started to happen. I went to university, the drama program I wasn't crazy about, so I left it after uh, the first year. And then I traveled across the country on my own. And then I came back and I auditioned for the National Theatre School of Canada, which is basically like the Juilliard of Canada. Mm -hmm. And I got in and spent three years there and I graduated there. Then I spent, when everybody left to go to Toronto, I stayed in Montreal and uh, proceeded to work a fair bit, uh, you know, doing everything. Um, a lot of voice work, a lot of cartoons, um, started with a few other people who started our own theater company in Montreal. There wasn't much film going on in the, um, in the city. It started to get better, um, but a lot of the films that came in were, you know, were, were quite bad. And then um, I ended up doing a movie back in 19... Oh God, the first movie that I, I had my very first professional line was in a movie called Happy Birthday to Me, which was a horror movie. I Glenn, know it. Oh, yep. Gosh. With Glenn Ford, the late wonderful Glenn Ford, and Melissa Sue Anderson from Little House on a Prairie. And so that was my first line. Jay Lee Thompson was a veteran director who directed that great American movie, The Guns of Navarone. Um, wow. So that was the first one. And then I had the honor of working with the incredible Gary Oldman. Um, it was a movie oh. called Criminal Law. <clears throat> I, I know think it was that, Gary's yeah. third, third movie because obviously I'd seen Gary in, uh, <clears throat> in Sid and Nancy and he was great. Right. One of my favorite films. I oh, mean, God, literally. Yeah. And then I still played, watch it to this day. I'm like, just it's riveting to this day. Yeah, it is. It really, truly is. Both he and, and, um, and Chloe, it was a Chloe Webb, I oh. believe. They, they were both, they were extraordinary. Uh, amazing. Uh, I had a blast with Gary. He is funny beyond belief. He's can do impressions like, oh my God. Uh, and so dedicated, and obviously you've seen in his work throughout the last 30 years. He's a brilliant, brilliant actor. I marvel at the Christmas, a Christmas Carol, even. Yeah. Where he played, uh, it, he's just so good at everything he does. Yes, he does. Yeah, I mean, I, there's just, again, he's, yeah, he's an extraordinary, extraordinary talent. So, um, yeah, and so I left Montreal in 1987 with my my wife and my twin daughters. Uh, my twin daughters at point or whatever, they were three years of age. We went to Toronto. We stayed in Toronto till 97. We moved to Los Angeles and I was in Los Angeles for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I got a job doing a series in Montreal called Live Through This, mm -hmm. which sadly only lasted for a year, but I got to live my fantasy by playing a rock and roll musician in it. Wow. Um, and then uh, while I was living in Los Angeles, there was a gentleman by the name of Derek McGrath who had a recurring role on the show Cheers. Yeah. And he lived in the same complex as us in Van Nuys. 
Oh and yeah, I know Van Nuys well. Yeah, exactly. And um, we got to know each other, and we are still very close friends. And he told me that he was doing a show that was going to be probably shooting up in Toronto. And so I asked him. I said, "Can I? Can you ask the producers if I can audition for them?" And he said, "Sure, I'll do it." Because uh, that's what you got to do down down in LA. You really you gotta you gotta be aggressive in that respect. Anybody that mm -hmm. you know, you gotta reach out to. Uh, um, Gordy. Uh, what years was this? Uh, uh, I, well, I was there in '97. Mm. Left in 2001 to do a show in Montreal, and then while I was doing the show in Montreal, uh, I had auditioned for the series Doc with Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah. and then. Yeah, uh, Derek reached out to me and he said, it looks like they want you, kiddo. So uh, the heartbreaking thing was that my wife, who does many things incredibly well, um, uh, was working a fair bit in Los Angeles, mm. doing costumes, doing sets, which mm. she still does to this day, cool. uh, story editing. And so she was working a fair bit. I, not as much. Um and my kids fell in love with California. How can you not fall in love with California? Oh, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I had to trek the family back up to Toronto to start shooting on Doc. And I know it broke their hearts. Uh, fortunately, uh, my daughter Jessica studied at CalArts for a couple of years. Um, she did brilliantly down there. And her twin sister was up in Vancouver at uh, Emily Carr. So the doc thing was a beautiful experience. Billy Ray is, I had a blast with Billy Ray. Uh, clearly the winter did not suit Billy Ray all that well. <laughs> no, he's a Southern boy. So, no, uh, And at that time, I mean, it was for a small network in the U.S., the PAX network. Yeah, I and, remember it um, well. Yep. And we didn't know what was going to happen, but clearly it became a hit on the PAX network. Um, I think after the tragedy of 9-11, I had heard that Billy had really wondered if he should continue with the show. And he was just thinking of possible. I mean, he tried to get the show to bring it to Tennessee. Mm. And the governor had said, absolutely, Billy, we'll do whatever we can. We'll give you the tax credits. We'll do whatever you need. But our dollar at the time, our Canadian dollar, was so low. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, low. I mean, it's low right now, but it was really low then. I heard about and, that time. Yeah. So, you know, as an American, I mean, if you, you and I are producing a film and, and we're looking, okay, so the only people we got to pay in American dollars is Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> and everybody else in Canadian dollars. Plus, we're getting whatever provincial and federal tax credits up in Canada. I don't think we're going to move. And at that time, Doc was shooting 22 episodes. So basically, it was an eight-month eight gig. Um so luckily, Billy stayed. We did it for four years. I had a great time. Thanks to uh, the wonderful American producers, they gave me a chance to direct. So I ended up directing four episodes of the show. Um, it was a really beautiful experience. I just, I feel for my kids that I had to bring them back up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Understandably. Now, when did you first get realize that you wanted to get into acting? Believe it or not, I think, I don't know if it was acting, but I knew I wanted to get into the arts after I saw James Brown. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, you guys are 
never got a chance to see the man, but, um, you know, if you ever look at some of Bruce's moves on stage, especially the younger Bruce or whatever you go, that's from James Brown. Mm -hmm. uh, or just look at the late Prince. It was the same thing. Yeah. So that was the starter. And it was really my my drama teacher at the new school that really got me going. Yeah. And um, I realized that I thought, you know what, maybe I can do this. And so I went at it. And, um, you know, 40 some odd years later, I'm still doing it. A lot of valleys, a lot of, you know, quite a few peaks as well. It's not an easy business. The craft is beautiful, but the business makes no sense. I will tell that to all the young people. Don't try to figure it out because it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Just you got to love your craft, you know. And there's something that Robert De Niro said when he was doing a commencement speech, I think for I don't know what university, talking to students. And he said, you know what? You get an audition, you do your best, and then you put it out there and it's, you go, next, what's the next one? What's the next one? Because 90% mm -hmm. of the time, you're going to get turned down. Mm -hmm. And it's going to have, a lot of times, has nothing to do with your talent. It's about uh, the look. It's about, it, there's so much more that's involved. Um, that's, Things beyond your control. Yeah, it's just out of your control in that respect. And in with today, and I don't know how it is down in the U.S., I, I think they probably are still following the same format. But when COVID hit, certainly up in this country, uh, what I'm doing with both of you right now, that's basically what you're doing for auditions now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is the same. You know, you're not in the room anymore. And I miss that. Mm. And, yeah, I, I think I'm old school. But there's something about being in the room with a director and a producer because it's human contact. Mm. And if the when the director's there, they can give you adjustments. Try it this way, try it that way. You can get into a discussion about it. Mm. And so it becomes almost a theater piece. Because mm. you're not thinking about the camera. You're just, you're there with the, you know, your reader and with, with the director. And now with Zoom, it feels like you're just, like I'm doing this with you and everything else is black behind you. Yeah. And you know that there's people in the room, but you can't see them. Mm -hmm. And you can't move around. you got to sit down like I'm sitting down right now. So there's no, you lose, it's hard to get the sense of play and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, and everything else, you, you know, when you're not doing a Zoom, you know, you're doing a self-tape, you're putting yourself on tape and you're sending it out there and... And then they sit in a room and they look at it and you, you know, you go from there. We hear stuff like that. I remember Charlie Moore saying he was one of the actors we had on. He said, I need people because I need to feed off their energy. And then other actors were like, well, I built this area in my house and I'm actually at it right now. And we're doing this call from that. And this is where I do everything. I do an acting scene right here. And that's just how it is right now. Yeah. So <clears throat> did you get most of your mentoring from those schools then? It seems like you did get a lot of schooling and, and did you have I mean, any other thought, professions? I my, I mean, uh, the, the, the big schooling was the three years at the National Theater School mm -hmm. uh, because you get to do, well, you get to do, you know, to me, the greatest writer in, you know, in, in English literature, you get to do Shakespeare and mm -hmm. you get to do um, Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller. And we had some really exceptional teachers 
in you know in so many different facets of uh, this craft. So the three years of the theater school uh, was really really special. I mean, in fact, one of my classmates who was in that in you know uh, is now a big big you know he's become very very big. His name is Colin Fior, and you would have seen Colin in a number. You know he worked with Clint Eastwood. Uh, he Oh, God, he did that movie with um, uh, Nick Cage and uh, John Travolta, where he played, what was the one the where they played John Travolta and Nick Cage mm -hmm. played? Face Off. Face Off, yeah. He was yeah. the doctor who I think Travolta or Cage ended up killing. Cool. Um, he's, yeah, Colm has done a lot of American stuff. He's uh, basically, he's a big, you know, he's a big star in this country for sure. Uh, so he was in my class. I think after that, basically, you know, it was working with the, uh, the theater company and you just, you learn by doing. Yeah. And what was the name I, of that school again? Um, the three year National Theater School of Canada. Mm. Oh, so, oh yeah. I have it as Montreal's National Theater School. Okay, cool. So that's the same one. Yeah. So that's awesome. So who, who do you turn to now? Um, do you have any uh, people you still talk to there? Or do you, uh, do you reach out to anybody, any mentors? Say, hey, I've got this thing. What do you think? Yeah. In fact, uh, a friend of mine, about two years pre-COVID, uh, a friend of mine, um, got, we got together and he said, I've got an idea. So we ended up shooting a short, short film, so to speak called Boombats, mm. basically about an Italian mother and her two sons. And that one won awards. I, I've seen it on Amazon. Yes, it did. Yep. We won awards in, um, we won awards in um, New York, Los Angeles, uh, Italy, I believe. And I think we got one or two in Australia. Damn. So my friend and I looked at each other and went, either we're that good or the other ones were that bad. Yeah. Um, we don't know, but yeah. he's now taken that character because he ended up playing my mother in it, and essentially we're the same age. And he he he's he's just got comedy in him. He's very very talented. So now he's taken and he we're we're trying to put a feature together, hmm. and it, right now it's tentatively called Where's Aldo? Oh wow. It sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Like it was fun, and now you're having a lot, a lot of fun. Because you know what? Uh, and this is for, I guess, for ho hopefully the people who are into the arts and want to get into this business. I always tell young people because right now they don't have to shoot and film anymore. You've got video. I said, oh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of competition out there, but you can't think about that when you go into this. You just got to do it because you have a love for it and a passion for it. Um, when we did the short, um, it was so empowering to be wearing all the hats. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. You know, we had did not have a lot of money. Um, but we got what we wanted to get done. <clears throat> we learned from it. We made certainly made mistakes. But the fact that we, it was our baby, we controlled it. We didn't have to answer to anybody else was so wonderful so i tell all the youngsters out there get a camera get some friends if you have a friend who can write get together put something together go get a camera get your friends 
and go shoot something, but make sure you got a good story. Mm. Wow. That's yeah. a great, because, you know, I've even seen people on YouTube ending up in movies where directors yeah. and stuff, I, just like, I can't, I can't find anything. So they go to their computer. Next thing you know, they're doing their little dance or whatever it is they do, you know, for really a lot of money. Yeah. Um, my daughter was telling me, one of my daughters who lives down in, in Melbourne, Australia, she was saying earlier on, because she's been there 10 years now, but she said early on, you know, she would be uh, sending out resumes or whatever in terms, you know, job hunting. And then she'd get calls, you know, from people for interviews and stuff. And they said, no, we didn't look at your resume. We, we just go into social media. Oh. Oh, it's all that wow. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's all that now, mate. I mean, <clears throat> resumes, you go, no. They want to know, you know, what's the viewership on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. All I mean, whatever. I'm so not there with the, you know, the social media and stuff, but that's what it is. And if your numbers are high, yeah, you can be rest assured. Producers got assistance looking, going, find me people, find me people. You know? Mm. So you have nothing set up for yourself, though, really? No, I mean, I'm really bad that way. I mean, yes, I have, you know, mm -hmm. representation here, and I've got representation out uh, out in BC. Mm -hmm. But no, that's something that um, we had to learn, certainly when we put the short together. You know, we did the whole thing where we did a live session. We had people from all over the world speaking to the characters from the show that was to actually connect with audiences from you know people from the united states all the way down to sri lanka mm -hmm. to australia you know people of every faith um it was really beautiful so we got momentum there um and so we had something going but in trying to get you know the tough thing is always trying to raise the money oh sure well it's always tough and um i'm not a young guy anymore so they're not looking for but you, know? you do have a really good energy and you have this fun thing going when you talk about what you're doing and what you've done and so i'm sure that probably had a lot to do with why you won awards. I mean, with your first creation. So maybe this second thing, this this more extended thing, will come to, you know, get recognized. And where where do you think it could go? Where do you hope that goes? Well, I think um, I think we what we want to do ultimately is yeah, turn it into a TV series, an okay. ongoing mm. series and stuff. Uh, features are you know. As you can see with most of the streaming services, it's really about episodic right now. And oh, yeah. The lines are no longer, you know, divided. I mean, it, you know, everybody's doing episodic, you know, features. It's much harder to raise money for features. Um, and it's, you know, it's marketing. I mean, it's, you got to have a producer who goes, you know what? I really believe in you guys and I'm going to go with you, Right. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I don't know if you ever heard the story about Seinfeld, you know, but it, it first year, nobody was watching it. Mm. Nobody. Really? War, wow. you know, War, Warren Littlefield, the producer, he believed in the show. Mm. He believed in the people there and he said, no, 
we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep going with this. Well, you know, uh, it, it speaks for itself. We know it. It's one of the great you know greatest shows ever on American TV, and um, but I don't know if there's that anymore. I don't know if there's that sense of you know what I'm gonna stick with you guys. Because I believe uh, in it. Yeah. So his strategy was he he changed nothing. He just let it run, left it on. He left it on. He just said, yeah, I think I don't. I mean, I certainly wasn't in a room and what they had. But, you know, uh, you have, you know. Uh, That's you kind have, of fascinating, actually. You know? <laughs> when you think about it, you know. Seinfeld didn't do well in its first year. And they yeah. were like, no, just leave it on. Yeah, I mean, who, who, who gets that chance? <laughs> Uh, well, if, I mean, hmm. listen to the, nobody, everybody turned down Breaking Bad. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Vince Gilligan, they, even when they were shooting, going, eh, maybe we'll get it, you know, do the first year, get out. They really, they didn't think, because hmm. nobody would take it. Mm -hmm. Right? So why I, do we still see it now? Because it is one of the greatest series ever, ever done anywhere, period. Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, but if you want, just, if you ever. Who figured uh, that it, out and kept it going? Who figured that out? Well, I think it was, uh, it ended up being on FX, which is a great. Uh, oh, yeah. Thing, okay. You know, and I think it was that. And I think when they saw, and then they started to see the reviews for it. And they went, no, 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 no. I think we got something here. And I guess, uh, I think the, the man who runs the network, uh, at uh, FX is John Langraff, and I guess he must have went, no, 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 I think we got something here. Shit, so I forgot the... about FX almost. Yeah. I, yeah. That's how it is now. And yeah. I grew, I watched that thing evolve from nothing. Oh, and, yeah, and, same and here. Cable, I said, you know what, Cable, you know what? Bye. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, uh, no. FX is, is producing some fantastic, I mean, Louis C.K. show was on FX. Oh, yeah, that was a right? great one, Louis. Yeah. You know? There's so okay. much content now. Yep. There's yep. so much. You're going to, th that. that's also your edge though for your show, you know, I, and I think Amazon would be great with that. Well, uh, from your mouth to God's ears, I'm seeing, um, that's what we're hoping, uh, you know, but again, it's, it's, as I say, there's a lot of competition out there, <laughs> but, you know, we put it out there. We put it out to certain places. Yeah. They said, thanks, but no thanks. Um, and I think, again, one of the things when you asked me that earlier question about the U.S., um, there's always, and I love the country that I was born in, don't get me wrong, but there's a ceiling in this country. Hmm. You get to a point, and then they go, okay, you've had your shot, goodbye. Oh. In the U.S., there's a thing of, your life can change like that. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Amen, the brother. Right hands, it meets the right people. I mean, it really is winning the lottery. But there is it but 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 there's that sense of that's why people come to your country because the possibilities are endless. Things can happen there. There's that sense of you know what? When I worked on Doc and I asked them if I could direct, and they said, Ron, you want to direct? We believe you can, but we want you to shadow other directors for six months. Are you willing to do that? 
you want to put in the time? And I said, I will definitely put in the time. You put in the time, we'll give you your shot. Mm. I don't would I don't believe I would have ever been given that shot on a Canadian show. Mm. Oh, good point. Yeah. I don't believe that would have happened. Yeah. Um, but like I said, there's that element in the States where I go, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's bull everywhere and you know, there's lots of people tell you that they love you and then they don't give you the time of day and stuff, but but there's that thing where you can do things down in the States and if they like what you do, they're going to go and they don't care where you're from. Mm, if they yeah. like what you do, kiddo, they're going to find a way. If they see dollar signs, they see something going, okay, what you got? You know, we're going to get behind you and we're going to, yeah. we're going to support you. You know, I, I, I honestly though, Ron, think you should set something up at your house to where you, you have so much knowledge and know how really experience do. and let me tell you these acting things are branching away from these big cities into other smaller areas and actors are speaking out we we're talking about what mark Wahlberg was like hey i live in vegas now so build something in vegas i mean because it doesn't have to be like a giant huge lot anymore they can just I mean, in other cities that are just really more you know, consumer friendly, I guess is what I could say about them. You know, I, I just think that there's so many platforms and so much content that you should really take this social, not even really social media thing seriously, but just the ability to record yourself and put yourself out there you just are just like charming and it's like I saw your reel and you were doing all these things with guns that were really edgy and you were really a you know like a cocky cop or criminal or stuff like that and talking to you now I'm just like blown away with your sincerity <laughs> and you're just you have a huge heart and you want to give back to everything and uh, I think you should be sharing that out more that's what I'm saying well um that my god um you, you've just touched my heart in a big way thank you very much for that it would sell uh, well you're just a great it really guy. would oh yeah most no, definitely uh, th no thank you very much really thank you both of you um no i mean um when i was getting into the business as i've said to younger actors that i've met on sets or that i've taught um i had guardian angels uh you know People who just who had been in the business for a while, they took me under their wing and they helped me get set up and they introduced me to the business. They, they guided me um, and I've never forgotten that. And I do believe in paying it forward. You must pay it forward uh, to help the generation that's coming up because uh, I think it's, you know, when I think with my daughters, you know, in, in today's society, what they're having to deal with, with just the real life out there and stuff and how difficult it is. Um, I think it's really, really vital that you, um, that you do what you can to help the younger ones who are getting started into this mm -hmm. business and, uh, and be straight with them, but, you know, encourage them saying, yes, this is a dream, follow your dreams really important you know yeah. um and it doesn't matter where you're from i think as you said you're right it's you know it, it 
it can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to come from be coming from New York or Los Angeles or, um, you know, it, it can come from the smallest of places with a population of 500. Somebody has a dream, wants to put something together and it happens because mm -hmm. they do it and they just will not take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, you just, uh, you know, I mean, uh, a dear friend of mine who uh, just got the, um, uh, the walk of fame in, in, in Canada, Ooh. Who, um, um, Graham Greene, who's not. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love Graham Greene. Yeah. Who was, you know, nominated for dances with wolves. Yeah. And, you know, the great movie by Kevin Costner. And what did he um, do? Because I love that movie. He was the, uh, he was kicking bird. Yeah. Kicking bird. He was beautiful in that movie. Yeah. We interviewed Dan Gosh. Lalonde, who was in Ottawa, and he was yeah. in one of Dan Lalonde's uh, movies, the writer yeah. Dan Lalonde. Yeah. yeah. I've I mean, seen I that mean, at least a dozen times. Well, I'll give you an example, okay? Um, Graham's works in the United States 90% of the time. I figure that, yeah. Now, if I'm producing something, or if I'm in a position where I'm a network, a person in a network running a program, I'm going, Graham Greene, Oscar-nominated, beautiful actor, and by the way, a beautiful human being. Yeah. Um, and he's not getting hired in his the country that he was born in. Oh, but I America, never thought about that. Yeah. America, America's certainly hiring him. Oh, yeah. Right? You know? Wait, what is that? Uh, I wish I knew. I really, really wish I knew. I think one mm -hmm. of the things that America got right a long, long time ago in the old Hollywood system when it first came to be, was that they realized, you know what? We got to create a star system. Mm. Now, they do that in Quebec. They have stars in Quebec. You know, they work in French, but they have they have magazines yeah. for, you know, their, their TV stars and their film stars. And if you look at what they've done, you know, they have world-class directors, mm. uh, Denis Villeneuve, yeah. the late, uh, the late Jean-Marc Vallée, who directed Dallas Buyers Club, mm. um, and um, the uh, TV series that uh, Reese Witherspoon uh, produced. Um, I mean, uh, you have uh, the great Robert Lepage, who's done work across the world. You have Cirque du Soleil, which is yeah. from Montreal, oh. right? Because... I did go to that. It was, yeah. Yeah. They encourage their artists, right? Mm -hmm. And America knows that. I mean, America understood that from the get-go. And so they say, we got to do this. This is what we do. So you have, what did you have at that time, way back when or whatever? You had Betty Davis, Olivia the Hobby, and, yeah. you know, Joseph Cotton. I mean, great, great actors. I mean, when I was young, I'm growing up and I'm watching Martin Scorsese movies, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you, if you're watching a movie like, like Main Streets and Taxi Driver, and if you're watching something like The Godfather, I mean, these are iconic movies. You know, before I was introdu introduced to anything coming from Europe and stuff, I grew up on watching American, and that's how the world, so much of the world sees yeah. America. It's through mm. their cinema, through their movies, and 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 that's the thing. Going, wow, that's yeah. America, you know. 
I mean, yeah, sort of when you get in there in the real world, it's not quite as glossy as it seems and stuff, but that's, you know, I believe that's America's biggest, second biggest export mm -hmm. throughout the world is, is, is entertainment. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, they don't <clears throat> even have to do that great in their, you know, when a, when a, you know, blockbuster movie comes out, if it doesn't do as well as it used to in the States yeah. or whatever, it's doing gangbusters in, in Asia, in Europe. Oh, and good stuff. point. So, yeah. You know, it's worldwide. So everybody yeah. knows who these actors are, right? Um, I'm glad that you mentioned Graham Greene, too, because I was watching that episode of Roswell because we're interviewing a guy from Roswell. I really like that WB TV show. And what's uh, in the scene in the high school? A, there's a poster saying read. And who's on it? Graham Greene. Yeah. I took a picture. I'm like, it's Graham Greene. I know yeah. this guy. What are they? Yeah, it was great. And isn't it? See, that you, I mean, that's just your enthusiasm, right? I mean, oh, yeah. When Americans go to see a movie, and this is not a knock against production designers or, you know, but I mean, if it's not Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg, most of America will not know the other directors, mm. right? Maybe some might know because he's had big block, blockbuster movies. They might know Michael Bay. They might oh, know, sure. but it's ultimately it's Spielberg and it's Scorsese. Mm. They're going to see the actors. Who's yeah. starring in it? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, Oh my God, that person's in it. Wow. I'm going to go watch that. In this country, they don't put the names up. Mm. They don't. Okay. So nobody knows who we are. Ah, I remember point. doing, at, I, was going, I was at the Toronto Film Festival, I mean, a few years back, and I was doing a TV show called This is Wonderland, which I had a blast doing. Um, played this wonderful lawyer who was an alcoholic and uh, you know uh, was a real womanizer but he was a brilliant lawyer i had the best time Fine. writing was the, the writer the creator is a playwright he's just a brilliant writer anyways we went to the toronto international film festival we were doing the red carpet and we were walking and you i could see people looking at us and i then i heard somebody whisper go who are they? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! You know, so I mean, yeah. I quietly laughed to myself because I said, "Of course, it's 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 perfect." Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. and then somebody yelled out because one of the actors that was there was one of the regulars in the show. They went, "Oh, Michael Riley," and I went, "Oh, good, Michael. At least they recognized you. Thank ah. God." You know, <laughs> uh, when they had you know our award show. I mean, I know it's gotten better, but I a friend of mine was telling me when they did the Canadian Awards out in Vancouver one year, they had name tags. <laughs> okay, so people would know, like even the people mm. who were interviewing them didn't know who they were. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Oh so, yeah, that's been a problem in this country for a long time. And I separate Quebec because they have a star system. That's and I good. think that if we had started that years ago, that we would be in much better shape. That's why that's one of the reasons why a lot of Canadian Canadian actors leave. Mm, no, okay, where's the the opportunities? You yeah. know, uh, a dear friend of mine who's an iconic actor in this country, Eric Peterson, said to me, he said the um, the ladder to success in Canada is horizontal. Mm, yeah. yeah, 
Wow, yeah. We, uh, Vancouver keeps coming up in our interviews, doesn't it, Mark? As a filming area, yeah. Well, again, uh, Vancouver is much closer to Los Angeles. It's in the same time zone. I lived in Vancouver for four mm -hmm. years. They've got big, massive, beautiful studios. Um, it's been They've been doing a lot of stuff in Vancouver for quite a long time now. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, they've got, you know, and they've got locations are great. I mean, Vancouver is certainly not New York City. It could never be. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's got locations. The crews are terrific. Um, you know, the acting pool is not as big as it is in Toronto. Um, but, mm -hmm. it, you know, again, the bottom line is, is that if you, if the three of us were going to produce a movie right now, Mm -hmm. And we're looking, okay, where are we going to shoot this? Okay, we're going to find what's the location. Yeah. All right, this is what the script says. Okay, where are we going to shoot this? Okay, are we can we shoot this in Atlanta? And money yeah. is a factor. Oh, big it's time. Yeah. You got to understand okay. for the most part, it's so about. So in our case, life. money is a factor. Okay, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that, you know, um, Canada got smacked at the Oscars once or whatever. I think Wooby <laughs> Goldberg was saying, you know, Everybody going up to Canada to shoot movies going, hey, guys, don't, you know, because it's so easy to, you know, to shit on this country. Um, don't knock Canada or whatever. It's called capitalism, mate. Mm. And they're going to go wherever they can get the best bang for their buck. They're yeah. going to do it because ultimately the crews here are fantastic. Uh, and with the exception of paying their lead American actors um, up in, you know, in American money, everybody else is in Canadian. You know, yes, they'll bring up an American director, an American DP and stuff. So if you, the three of us are doing it going, okay, um, let's shoot this in New Orleans. That's great. Okay. Mm -hmm. But um, what kind of crews do they have down there? Oh, How many good people point. are we going to have to bring from other places, right? When Billy Ray wanted to shoot it down in Tennessee and I went, sure, I man, I'll, man, I'll go to Nashville. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, they said, but where are we going to get the crews? Mm. How much do they shoot in Tennessee? So yeah. they're going to probably have to bring people from all over. Then they're going to have to take the Canadian actors. You got to put us up. You got to pay us per diem. Then you got to pay SAG rates, which are more than the actor rates and stuff. And they're going, is this, and for, you know, a, a network that does, doesn't have that kind of money, they're going, this is not feasible. Mm. You know? Yeah. So Americans, they look at that and they go, American producers go, okay, where, where can we do this? We're going to get good pool of talent. We got, you know, really solid crews and stuff. Um, and that's you now. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, let's, where let's are you again? Up. I'm sorry. I missed that earlier. Toronto. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 No, and let's not forget. I mean, it's still, you know, a lot of stuff is still shot in Los Angeles. Yeah. Lots is shot in Atlanta. They're shooting a fair amount of stuff in New Mexico. Stuff is shot in New York City as well. Mm -hmm. But of course, and, you know, but yeah, they'll go to Europe. They'll go where Oh, we yeah. Somebody said, one of our guests said that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're going, hey, I heard, you know, we can probably get, let's go shoot in Bulgaria. This will yeah. work. You know, and, mm -hmm. you know, the the crews are, are way cheaper there. We can, you know, it's they they got to weigh these things, mate, because it's again, one must never forget. It's a business mm -hmm. and it's a business about making profit. And yeah. believe me, a lot of them don't. But all it takes sometimes is one film 
Yeah. One film like an avatar for one mm -hmm. studio. And they go, we can ride this puppy for a while. Oh, yeah. Because we, you know, a lot of films don't make their, you know, they don't make it back. It's it's mm, it's a tough point. business. Yeah. You know? Even with big stars, they can fail. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, that Cooking Up Love, that was in Vancouver, and it acted like it was in Chicago, right? That was sure. a great film. I mean, we're always asked or whatever to, um, okay, can you just, you know, a generic American accent and stuff, right? Because they don't want to hear the oot and the boot and all of that stuff. And I go, uh, I'm half Italian. I've never spoken that way in my entire life, you know? No. And you really have to go to certain areas in Canada to actually hear that. I've noticed that, yeah. I saw you know? real and never once said Canada in my mind. Not yeah. at all. Not one time. No, but but I think it's also because I think of, again, of the American influence because 85% mm -hmm. of the time, you're reading for American product, mm, yeah. whether you're shooting in Vancouver or shooting in Toronto or Montreal, you're reading for that. Yeah. And, and so, and, and that's what I grew up on. I grew up watching American TV, American movies, you know, I mean. If you had to produce your show though, and it got to levels to where you had to think about money, wouldn't it be, wouldn't you have to leave Canada eventually? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think, you know, um, believe me, I did leave Canada. I went to Los Angeles. Mm. How long um, were you there again? I wasn't there long enough. But mm. I, you know, um, you don't go to Los Angeles when you're 40. Not a good idea. Mm. Not a good idea. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're coming down there with what they call heat. You know, you've got something <laughs> in your pocket, they see the movie, and they're going, okay, yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I went to a lot of different agencies, you know, I mean, I got an agent, I got a manager, got all of that stuff, but I wasn't getting auditions. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I did not yeah. have a manager or whatever. I don't know, but I wasn't getting them. Yeah. And, um, and of course, when you're coming from a place where I was, where I was working a fair bit, and then you come down to Los Angeles and those words that you, I remember going to, I was doing that, taking acting classes down there. And I remember going into the first class and, you know, the teacher, Julie Ariola was saying, okay, before we start our classes and stuff, uh, okay, what, what have you guys been doing? What have you been up to? And, you know, and then you hear some stories about, I haven't auditioned in two years. I got my first commercial after, you know, four years or whatever. I mean, there would be a, a standing ovation yeah. because, yeah. And it, it was, it hit me then when you're not in Kansas anymore, buddy. <laughs> this is a whole new ball game. Oh, now. yeah. Whole new ball game, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was on NYPD Blue. And so I reached out to him and I said, can you get me an audition for Stephen Bochco? Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, I do. And he did it. He got me that. And I had a great audition. And he told me, he said, he said, I got feedback for you. And I said, so I got a shot. He said, Ron, they really like you. They're going to bring you back. But remember, there's 100,000 actors in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Okay? And yeah. not all of them are actors. They call themselves actors. But mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's maybe 23,000 in all of Canada, you know. Mm, so he point. just said, baby, you got to be patient. So when you go down to Los Angeles, now you're coming down with something. Or you go there and you go there when you're young and you got to put in the time and you got to be patient. 
I have a lot of friends who put in the time, put in the time. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, right? Um, that wonderful actor, and shame on me, the name's not coming to me, in Groundhog Day. Um, Bill Murray? Stephen, no. Stephen Tobolowsky. Mm, yeah, okay. okay. Beautiful actor. I remember going into an audition room, and there was Stephen. And I had to go up to him, and I'm going, Stephen, I, I really love your work. I know you don't know me from a hole in the wall, but I just want to thank you for your just wonderful to watch you. And he was very gracious. And he said, help me out here. Why are you auditioning? They know you. Yeah. Why? And he said, Ron, yeah, they'll know me. They'll say hi and stuff. But no, I still got to, I still got to do the dog and pony show, you know? Yeah. You know, so he's a journeyman actor. He's good and he's respected and stuff, right? There's very few to win the lottery. Right. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure George Clooney would be the first to say he worked, but he knew, and he's he's his feet are so grounded. Um, he knew he got lucky. Right. Yeah. Right time. Er was a brilliant show. You know, he's got he's you know he's a he's he's got the looks. He's got everything, and he's it, got. It was back. Roseanne, wasn't it? Was it Ro no? Was it Roseanne? I don't know. I mean, ER really was the one, but it was on Roseanne first. It was her that found him. I'm pretty it was sure. Her that found him, probably. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. But what was so beautiful about George Clooney is that when ER happened and the success that it was, he never broke his contract. Mm, yeah. He stayed with the show. Yeah. Um. You know, David Caruso in NYPD, beautiful actor. Yeah, he should have stuck with it. Yeah. He thought he listened to his agent who said, No, you're gonna be huge and do features and all of that. And again, I don't know all the inside story, but um yeah, you just never know. But that's the US has that thing where you put in the time, you just never know what can happen. Yeah. And how your life can change. And if you handle it right, you know, and you also get the opportunity. I just worked with a gentleman in Montreal on a show that's on NBC called Transplant. And it was so beautiful because he's the lead in this and it's just finished wrapping. It's his third year. Mm. And I congratulated him and congratulated him on winning lead actor and stuff. And he said, Ron, you may not remember me, but I met you 10 years ago. I was an extra. Wow. And you talked to me about the business and what I had to do mm. if I had to get into it and stuff. And he said, "I'm thank you so much. And now he's with a massive agency in Los Angeles that represents um, Alejandro Inarito, who did Reverend, mm. right? Um, so he's going to get a chance to meet and possibly work with some of the biggest directors in the world. Mm. That's what can happen to you when you get that, when that, that thing happens. A friend of mine worked on Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. With Martin Scorsese. Wow. Okay. For his character, he said, Martin, my character, this character listens to a particular opera and stuff like that. He said, I need to get those tapes. Who brought the tapes to him? To his, his where he was staying in New York? Martin Scorsese. Oh, wow. He said, he said, that's Marty. That's, mm. 
what this man is about and stuff. So for me, when I moved to LA, that's, it wasn't, it wasn't about fame. It's never been about fame. It was about, my God, if I could get to work with the people I grew up watching to be, mm, yeah. to be, to, to be in the same room as a Scorsese or a Spielberg, or there's so many other countless directors or whatever in the States that are, are brilliant. You know, I mean, I grew up watching Al Pacino mm -hmm. and Bobby De Niro and, and Harvey Keitel and, um, you know, and the great Jeff Bridges. And yeah, I mean, that's what it does to you because you go, that's what you got into this for because what it, it was so difficult back then to create something like that. Now, people at home can have the same software that they used to make Star Wars. So, yeah. where do you think uh, all that's going? I believe that um, that wonderful movie with Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project. If you've not seen yeah, that, my movie, friends were in it. Yeah, I believe the director shot it on an iPhone. Mm. Wow! You can shoot movies on an iPhone now. Yeah, the iPhone I think they did. IPhone. Yeah, I think that's what they yeah. were saying. And they're using that. I mean, you can yeah. shoot a movie and um, you can do it. You can do it. It's again, it's always, it's about content. It's about story. It's always been about that. That's ultimately what is going to give you the longevity mm. is you've got to tell story. You know, and you've yeah. done so many things. I like sci-fi stuff. You've done a lot of drama. I saw that you did Alien Mysteries and Replicator. You knew Ned Beatty. I never got to meet him. Oh, you didn't? No, I got to admire Mr. Beatty. Um, one of my favorite scenes of all time was him and Peter Finch in the movie Network. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, Network. What a classic um, movie. And of course, of course, you know, Beatty's incredible performance in, um, in Deliverance as well. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I was a kid. You know what I remember him in? The Toy and Superman and the Incredible Shrinking Woman. He was just always these happy, great guys, yeah. you know. I never knew him as that dramatic. I'm kind of glad I never knew him, like, in those <laughs> roles, you know. I yeah. saw that, and I'm like, I don't even want to watch this, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, anyway, go on, please. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's always something when you get to meet you know, uh, people that you've admired. I mean, I, I had a very, there was a movie on 9-11 that ABC did, oh, I guess about 10 years ago or something, and uh, maybe more. And I got to work with Harvey Keitel. Oh, oh wow. wow. You can't get you know, much bigger than that. God. You know, and um, I just remember when the camera was turned on me and it was my close-up, Harvey was there. Harvey was there, you know, so he gets it. And so again, I went to him while he was just sitting by himself and I just went to him and I said, Mr. Keitel, just thank you for the great work that you've given for so long. It's, you know, it's, and they're really gracious. They're very thankful. You know, I almost got to work with Al, meet Al Pacino. Oh, in, in uh, the recruit? Uh, in the recruit, yeah. But I got to work with Carl, Colin Farrell twice, which yeah. was lovely. That scene that you did in there was great, by the way. Well, um, again, um, um, by the way, uh, hopefully you'll get to interview Colin Farrell at some point. What a wonderful gent. Mm. What a wonderful, wonderful gent. And I mean, really, most of the people that I've encountered, they've all been great. They've yeah. all been gracious. They've all been lovely. Um, 
you know, they're there to do their work and do it the best they can. And yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately, it, you know, at the end of the day or whatever, you're actors yeah. and you've got to work with each other to tell the story. That's really what it is, the bottom line, you know, and tell it the best way that you possibly can. Um, and hope. One, uh, there was one comment by an actor who's sadly not alive anymore. They asked him whether, whether he preferred theater or cinema. Mm. And he said he preferred theater and he did, he's done, I think he did more cinema, but he yeah. said, I prefer theater because it's immediate. Okay. If the audience is, you can sense it when the audience is yeah. with you, when they're not, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he said, he, he described it. <laughs> oh God, what a sense of humor. He described it as, it's like having, he said, the reason why I prefer theater over cinema and cinema, it's like, you know, being pregnant nine months later, finding out your baby is ugly. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, uh, because again, you don't have the control. Whereas in the theater, I mean, I'll give you an example. When I had probably be the greatest experience of my life playing Willie Loman in The Death of a Salesman, mm. um, man, I could hear the audience, I could hear them crying. That's how powerful that play is, yeah. you know, and what it does to people. I mean, one night in the second act where Willie is being fired by his boss and I've got this speech, it's a brilliant speech that Miller wrote. And there was a man that actually got up. He just got up. We mm. had to stop. He just said, don't do that to Willie, man. Don't do that. Don't fire him. He doesn't yeah. deserve this. And he went, yeah. Mm. That's the power the that it power. can do. And I think that's the thing about theater. If you've seen rock concerts or uh, artists that you love and you go, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, you did something to me or whatever. I've, I haven't, you know, that's why you hear people get, yeah, I've seen Bruce 450 times, you know. I mean, I've seen him 32 times. And, you know, if I met an American down in the States, they'd say, Ron, 32 times, what are you, that's nothing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, you know, I remember meeting the great ball player, Paul Molitor. Oh, yeah. When I was living in Los Angeles. And again, yeah. he was a class baseball player. <clears throat> I love the way he played the yeah. game. And of course, over the moon when he signed with the Blue Jays and we won two World Series in a row. <laughs> yeah. um, and I went up to him and I said, Paul, thank you for bringing such class, you know, your gifts or whatever to the game. And I said, what are you doing with yourself? He said, because he was, I was... I was living in LA and Bruce was opening the Staples Center mm, in Los Angeles okay. at the time back in 90. Oh God, I guess, yeah, probably 98 or 90. Okay. band got back together. And yeah. um, uh, he said, Yeah, I've been following Bruce all over Europe. Wow. Yeah. How fun. Yep. Yeah. 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 I said, Boy, Paul, I would love to be with you. Mm -hmm. You know? You know? Yeah. Just off the top of your head, so you've had so many cool things happen. You've done so many cool things. So what's uh, the the most exciting acting thing that's ever happened? The funnest thing? Funnest thing? Mm -hmm. um, I would say a show that you sadly never got to see. This is Wonderland because it really how it's really how the law works. Is it not on streaming platforms? Only season one is. 
on my I fire did, stick. Yeah, I did season three of it. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, again, with our, you know, our broadcasting corporation in this country, <laughs> one never knows what happens. Good point. Um, so I don't know where it's gone to. But I guess to answer that, that was, I couldn't wait to get to work because I had such a great time with this character. Mm. I mean, to play a brilliant lawyer, I got to, you know, smooch with a lot of women. Um, I I just had a, and the writing was just, again, the writing is the foundation. It's got to start with the writing. It makes me want to watch it. You know, and it's got to be, and it was character driven. And it was mm. also what the law is really about what yeah. really happens with the law mm. it's not you know listen i love boston legal and you know uh, the wonderful american law shows um because especially the david you know david kelly show um but this was like he george f walker the writer basically he studied and went and watched for okay. three to four years or whatever and then took all of that and said this is how it is and even you know the lawyers in this country said George, you hit it on the nose. Mm. This is exactly what really happens. Yeah. So I had a great, great time on that show. Well, so, one thing so, that I wanted to ask, what about Victor? Because that, that was really touching to me. Uh, I did not even know about that story of the uh, swimmer. Tell us I about will it. tell you that most Canadians didn't know about that story. Oh, they didn't? Okay. Probably. I would say maybe people are probably, you know, uh, a select few, but honestly... Uh, I would say I don't know that many Canadians do knew about uh, Victor Davis's fate and stuff. Um, again, uh, I had I had a wonderful time doing it. It you know it was really strange to shave my head because mm -hmm. um, I had not ever done that before. Mm -hmm. But it felt really good. Mm -hmm. And again, it was just again anytime I can do something that's different. Um, I think the show you might have been speaking about earlier with the possible crooked cop, I think it was called, oh my God, um, it was a big hit. During the writer's strike in the United States, this show, mm. CBS bought the show. That's what happens when you get older, gentlemen, just oh, letting yeah. you know. Uh, a flashpoint. Yeah, okay, flashpoint. Yeah. Might have been talking about. Yep. That was also really, really special to me. Mm. Because uh, that story was based on a real life, uh, a, a real guy, mm, yeah. and he he did he did take his own life. Uh, um, I you know in the, in the I believe yeah, but I believe you know in the show it didn't happen. But uh, I had an incredible time doing that show. It was incredibly intense. Um, but you know what? That's our job. Yeah. You know well, what's one of the more challenging things you've had to. It's something you you ended up saying. Well, I'm glad I had to do. I'm glad I did that, but it was he had to endure. Um, Flashpoint would be one because I had to stay in that headspace mm. uh, for quite a while. Um, strangely enough, or whatever, I mean, I ended up having the strangest dreams um, while I was getting ready pre prepping for this character. And um, it's TV, so it usually goes at a you know a fairly quick pace. But the director was great and really supportive. And um, but yeah, it was a challenge. It really took a lot out of me because uh, I really had to sort of dig deep. Um, I think in terms of other things, I think certainly playing Willie Loman and Death of a Salesman, no question about it. I think after 
usually after every show, I was just sort of break down because it was just, mm. it's, you know, it's, it's a lot to get through, but it's good. I mean, it's, it's cathartic. Yeah. You know? What about a project or job that you went into and it turned out to be kind of completely different? Oh boy. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Completely different. I'd have to look down the resume and go, okay, what did I was hoping for? It didn't turn out that way. Mm. Hmm. I don't know if I could answer that for you right now. Mm. I mean, I'm, sometimes I do, I will look in my, my resume and go, whoo, you've done some bad stuff here too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, but hey, you know, you got to pay the bills. You got a family to raise, you know, and, um, 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 but I still, I still remind myself, you're doing what you love. Oh yeah. You know, one of the things that Tom Hanks said when he was, when nobody knew who Tom Hanks was, he said, you know what I loved about auditioning? He says, I got to act. Mm, yeah. I got to do what I love to do. Now, if I got the role, oh, of course, fantastic. If I didn't, yeah. okay, maybe next time, but just give me a chance again. Or let me keep doing that. Oh, and yeah. that's, you know, and uh, Brian Cranston in his wonderful book said, you know, he said, I used to get, you know, I'd go do an audition and then I'd go, oh, and I'd be thinking about it and thinking about it, thinking about it going. And he was just saying, he said, don't think about the job. Just think about the process. Mm. Just the process. Go yeah. in there and give them you. That's all yeah. you can do. Oh, yeah. That's all you can do. Give them the best of you. You know? A talented guy, Tony DeMille, we had on recently, he said, "They, I, I know how they see me. They see me like this. So instead of trying to be something I'm not, I want to be this and do it as best I can. Yeah. So yeah. he had a, just a, a really good philosophy and outlook. And 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 you are teaching people because, again, I think a lot of people come here to learn. And I think you're giving them really, really valuable information here. And Without um, a doubt. Well, I mean, yeah. like I said, I hope so. And if it, by all means, if, if any of the um, the audience or whatever have disagreements or have more questions, believe me, as I say, I'll be, it's a pleasure and an honor mm -hmm. to answer and to help in any way that I can. Oh, sure. Well, that's great. You can leave us something, a contact or something down below. We'd also like to, anytime you have anything going on that we can promote or yeah. lead people to, We'd like to be a part of that. Any, oh, yeah. any leap forward that your new project uh, takes, we'd like to be a part of that. We'd love to have you back. I mean, I've, I've been talking to you for well over an hour now, you know, and you're so easy to talk to and charming. I could easily do three hours, but, you know, I won't do exactly. that to you tonight, you know. And, but, uh, and one thing I wanted to bring up, you, you were talking about your intense roles or whatever. You didn't even mention clear cut. That was pretty intense. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty intense. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, Graham had just come off doing Dances with Wolves. Um, so, I mean, it, clearly when I first met Graham and Michael, who was wonderful in the movie, um, it was pretty intimidating. Mm. They weren't. I mean, I was just like, these are two actors that I really, really love and stuff. Uh, Graham basically took me and just said, I'm going to take you. Don't worry oh, about it. Nice. It seems like that type of guy. Yeah, he is. And he, he, he taught me a great deal. And so did Michael Hogan. Um, yeah, it was quite an experience that, <laughs> yeah, that was an experience. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot. Oh, I had to. Yeah. It's been a long time and stuff. Uh, so again, um, uh, thank you both for your graciousness. Um, 
please let audience members know that they can reach out. I'll be more than happy to chat with you again. In terms of any plugging, um, I did a lovely thing on Transplant, which is on NBC. Okay. It'll be in the third season, which probably won't be airing until next spring, I think. Uh, I'm working on, and I signed a non-disclosure, so I can't tell you anymore. No, it's fun. Come back when it's on. Yeah, whenever you, you can. Have to. It's going to be a movie. Mm. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting. Again, it's going to be, it's a horror film. Cool. Um, oh, nice. See, yeah. when you have something new, we can kind of promote it and lead us, them to this video at the same time. So it wins for both of us. So make sure yeah. you let us know anything that's going on. For sure. Okay. And we we get a, a lot of views on these the little shorts things. and clips. Yeah, yeah, these little shorts that YouTube loves to do now. So it's just the latest thing anyway. But yeah, I had a great time so did I. talking to you today. And, and I want you to come back at any time you want. Sure. You got any more questions, Mark? No, for Mark 2.0, this is Brian, Mark, Ron. Thank it's you, Ron, for being here. Yeah. Great.